0: Why are you a Christian when you wake up in the morning? When you go to bed at night, Christ is real and precious and you pray and you enjoy fellowship. Why should it be that way when you wake up in the morning? Our emotions are fickle. Our will goes this way and that way. We change our opinions we get blown around by events. Why, why shouldn't you wake up an unbeliever?, Say, "Oh, that's boring. Why did I ever buy into that? That was stupid. Why not? And there is one answer: Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. be glory forever and ever. There's only one answer. It isn't automatic? Like I prayed my prayer, I believe in eternal security, therefore I can never be lost, period. Not the way it works. He keeps you. So that's the P. And I have about, I don't know, 17 pages of text. (laughs) So we'll do it. And they're just juicy. So that's why we should linger over them. Going to skip Westminster and go to Bethlehem's affirmation of faith again. <laughs> What's the doctrine? What are we arguing for from the Bible in this session? God's work in faith and sanctification is the heading in the Bethlehem Elder affirmation of faith, and the fifth paragraph. And the sixth one say this. We believe that sanctification, which comes by the Spirit through faith, is imperfect and incomplete in this life. Although slavery to sin is broken, and sinful desires are progressively weakened by the power of a superior satisfaction, In the glory of Christ yet there remain remnants of corruption in every heart that give rise to irreconcilable war and call for vigilance in the life long fight of faith you will fight this till you're dead or you will lose when Paul said I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Now I'm ready to be poured out. He meant, to the end it's been war. And I have fought. There's never a season of coasting. You coast, you go backward. We believe that all who are justified will win this fight. Not be spared the fight. Just guaranteed winning. They will persevere in faith and never surrender to the enemy of their souls. I don't mean there aren't seasons of backsliding. I mean absolute surrender here. I realized when I read that last night that it could be taken way too perfectionistically this perseverance is the promise of the new covenant obtained by the blood of christ and worked in us by god himself yet not so as to diminish but only to empower and encourage our vigilance so that we may say in the end i have fought the good fight but it was not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. So there it is. Series of questions, or statements. First, the must. This troubles people. It was in preaching a sermon on this issue, we must persevere in faith If we are finally to be saved That got me into trouble Back in 1980 When I preached in Omaha At the annual meeting of the Baptist General Conference And a guy came up to me And said, young man Going to have, have to watch out for your Arminianism In this conference And I thought, my goodness I'm a seven point Calvinist What does he mean? Uh, he He meant I sounded like people could lose their salvation when I preached this sermon from Hebrews. And that is what many texts sound like. And you just have to ask, okay, what are those threats that require perseverance imply about God's people? Can they? Do they? Because a lot of people solve the issue of assurance and security by just avoiding the texts that sound threatening to professing believers. So let's look at those threatening texts and be sobered by the requirement of perseverance before we look at the gift and assurance of personal perseverance. 1 Corinthians 15.1 Now, I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, by which you are saved, if you hold fast the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. That's the kind of thing that shakes people up. They look at that and say, that doesn't sound like Calvinism to me. That sounds like we are dropping in and out of salvation, or easily dropping out. And basically what it says is, got to keep believing. You've got to keep believing. You stop believing, your belief was in vain. It was nothing. Colossians 1. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach if... You continue in the faith. Firmly established and steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Paul insisted that continuing in faith. This is why the term perseverance of the saints is the P rather than two or T-U-L-I-E-S, eternal security. I believe in that term defined biblically. However, what that phrase carries to a lot of people is, you're secure no matter what you do. That's not what the doctrine of perseverance says. The doctrine of perseverance says you're secure, and because he keeps you, you won't make shipwreck of your faith. God will hold on to you. And you must not make shipwreck of your faith. So these ifs, these big conditions are in the Bible. Forcing us to think in terms of perseverance, not mechanical security. All of 1980, brand new pastor. Bang! I got this couple cheating on each other. I'm 34 years old, having zero pastoral experience. And uh, they were about my age, 28 years ago. And uh, I brought her in. And uh, I said, no. What are you doing? She's sleeping with a guy. Every weekend. Not her husband. (laughs) And I said, Okay. We got to stop that. This weekend, you're not showing up. Okay. Well, I don't know. It's really hard. I said, there's no question here. That's over. We don't do that. And then I said, those who do such things, those who persevere in doing such things will be damned. Her face just completely changed. She said, that's not what our previous pastor said. I was a brand new pastor. He just left that's not what our previous pastor said he said I'm eternally secure and then she quoted me the text Romans eight, thirty-seven. 37 for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers not anything else in all creation can separate me from the love of God and, and the devil can't he can make me sin and commit adultery but he can't separate me from the love of God she had this thing theologically all worked out so she could sleep with this guy every weekend feel secure I said uh, that's not what that text means I can quote her some things like this she was absolutely staggered they're still married 28 years later it took a while I'll give you one other illustration this one comes to my mind because I get a Christmas card from this woman every year she was younger they were just married and uh, he caught her in bed with a guy you think, what's going on in Bethlehem in those early years and, uh, and so he's furious and, and she's a daughter of a missionary they both are they're both kids of missionaries so she comes in and I just said to her flat out some of you here would, would know her, know her uh, let me just tell you that if you don't break this off you're going to go to hell Every year, for 28 years, she has written me a thank you card at Christmas. She said, nobody said that to me but you, and it scared the hell out of me. (laughs) And I've never cheated on him again. Stories like that that make me not pay too much attention to those who say, oh, you can't use bad news, you know, you can't use warnings, you can't use threats to help people. That's a practical illustration of believing in perseverance instead of believing in mechanical security. That was the point of those two stories. You believe in kind of mechanical security... Each, each of those women would say, I'm a missionary kid. I prayed to receive Jesus when I was six, walked the aisle. I'm a Christian. I'm secure. That's what the Bible teaches. You can't lose your salvation. What's this talk about if, then, and do this and you'll be lost? What's they, they could all say that. But if you believe this way, then saying something like, you get out of bed or you're going to hell, woman can have a saving effect it did on these two women second Timothy 2:11 to 13 it is a trustworthy statement for if we died with him we will also live with him if we endure we will reign with him if we deny him He will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Now that does not mean faithful to us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful to himself. For he cannot deny himself. If you don't have faith... His faithfulness does not commit himself to save you. Mark 13. You will be hated by all because of my name, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Enduring to the end. Now, the obedience or holiness that comes from faith is necessary for salvation. So I'm moving beyond faith to obedience and holiness. Here's another requirement for final salvation. Pursue peace, Hebrews 12, 14, with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Pursue the peace and the holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Romans 8, 13. If you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And the living there means eternal living. In other words, if you don't fight the fight of faith and appropriate the spirit and attack the bit to sleep around every weekend, you won't live. Galatians 5. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, empty strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, dispute, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom. You, you, who's you? It's the church. It's not wrong for me to stand up on a Sunday morning, look out on seven or eight hundred people in this room and say, If you make a practice of doing such things, you will not enter the kingdom. And mean it for everybody. I don't know who the elect are. I don't know who those are who will persevere. I just know this is true. I'm going to say it. Similarly, 1 Corinthians Or do you not know that the unrighteous will inherit the kingdom of God? I'm sorry, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers. So be careful you hear the fullness of that list. It's not just this it's also this nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God then he goes on to say and such were some of you God saves all those people skip Ephesians 5 In fact, I get so many here can run out of time if I don't keep moving We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Loving the brethren is a necessary evidence that you are no longer in the grip of death, but have been born again to life. If someone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. I don't care how many prayers you've prayed, what family you grew up in, what doctrine you believe, if you say you love God and you hate your brother. I'll give you another illustration. This one just came to my mind. I haven't thought about this for years. Full of seminary, just learning about these things as I read, study Romans and Galatians, First Corinthians, and Sermon on the Mount, and all these exegetical classes. I was in five small groups my senior year at Fuller. I was in a class group, and I was in a women's—I I was in a women's, group. <laughs> men's group, <coughs> couples group. I forget all the all of us, but but one of them was a couples group. though so well, we were newly married. I guess married in '68. This was now '71, and uh, and there was this woman in a discussion one night. And we were talking about grudges and forgiveness. And she said, Well, I can't forgive what my mother did to me. I said, "Uh, Can't forgive what your mother did to you? No. I said, You got to. You got to. I can't. I said, if you don't forgive her, you're not going to be saved. <laughs> she was absolutely blown away that anybody would say such a thing. You hate your brother, you have an undealt with animosity and grudge and bitterness against somebody and you're holding on to that thing in spite of the fact that Jesus has forgiven you all your sins then you're like the man in Matthew 18 who's ringing the neck of the guy who owes him ten dollars after he's been forgiven ten million dollars and what happens to him he gets cut to pieces in the end because he really didn't know anything about forgiveness so I said to her you got to I don't remember how that one got resolved she was just really angry at me that I said that in the setting of that couple relationship so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him if you continue in my word then you're truly my disciples not just if you get interested in me on a you know, Youth for Christ weekend, or let's get excited and walk the aisle and make a good start, like the seed that's sown on the ground, spring up with joy, and then the sun comes out, and you wither. No, if you continue, you are truly my disciple. Now i get the good news here. Those whom God has justified will be kept by God for final salvation. And we've looked at this text enough times that maybe we should look at it one more time to underline its relevance for perseverance. God causes all things to work together for good, to work together for good, for those who love God. Now the all things here, working together for good. This good here is defined specifically here as those who foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. So there's the good ultimately. Everything that God is doing to you and permitting to be done to you is serving to conform you ultimately to Jesus. That's, that's what He's saying. It's all working to that good. Not the good of prosperity. Not the good of health. We're all gonna die. And we all could lose our job and God would do us no wrong. The good that he guarantees to do for us is this one. He predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son so that he'd be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he justified. And here's the perseverance those whom he justified, he glorified. There it is. Nobody drops out who's justified. So I'm standing up and I'm talking to six, seven hundred people, 95% of whom I pray God are justified by faith alone and born again, and I'm saying, whoever does these things will not enter into the kingdom. And God takes that warning and by His Spirit applies it to the elect so that they are vigilant. And persevere. So that this never ceases to be true. The justified will be glorified. Nobody is justified and then lost. Nobody. So if you are a justified sinner today, you will be forever. That's what it says. Those who be justified, he glorified. So what should we say if God is for us? Who can be against us? Nobody can be successfully against us. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not with him freely give us all things? So now we simply draw attention to the connection with perseverance. It's the logic. Not sparing his son provides the foundation for the assurance and the reality that everything will be ours, including perseverance. John 10 26 to 30 you do not believe because you're not of my sheep my sheep hear my voice and I know them they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand my father who has given them to me is greater than everybody and everything and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand and I and the father not one you can't get out of my hand and you can't get out of the father's hand because we're one and we have committed ourselves to give you eternal life that you will never perish and we will raise you up at the last day oh enjoy that text know yourself there revel in that bathe in that go to bed with that get up with that preach that to yourself I've heard his voice Have you not? And only his sheep hear his voice. I have come to him. He laid down his life for the sheep. My sins are covered. And if he didn't spare his own son, but lay down his life for me, will he not freely give me all things, including this rock-solid security in his hand? Oh, what a valiant people shouldn't go limping through life as though, oh, poor us Christians, we get so persecuted in America. This used to be our country. It was never our country. Our country is in heaven. America comes, America goes. Russia comes, Russia goes. China comes, China goes. We are the children of God. You go limping through life. Oh, poor Christian. We're not being treated nice. You're not supposed to be treated nice. You're supposed to be killed. We are being killed all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. It's this absolute rock-solid chain of assurance that those who are justified will be glorified should make you walk with your head high broken for your sin not swaggering through American media saying like a right wing talk show host it's our country it's not let's be different let's be radically different boldly different this doctrine should make us so confident so powerful so humbly different I love this text because there's a piece of it that's on my mother's and now my father's gravestone. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Blessed be you, God. And according to his, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. And those whom he caused to be born again never are anything other than born again. To a living hope. Yes, it is living, undying. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, yes, it was his triumph over death it secures the future, certainty and security. To obtain an inheritance. He calls me to be born again, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, not fading. All that's supposed to signify security, permanence. Reserved in heaven for you. Now, so far we've got the inheritance firmly reserved for you. Now you get reserved yourself. Who are protected or kept by the power of God through faith for that salvation ready to be revealed. So it is kept for you and you are kept for it. Now notice something. This, this is the phrase right here that's on the gravestone. It's the old version, kept by the power of God. So when my mother died in 1974 and my dad and I went out to the graveside, to the business place there, we're talking in the car as we're going, um, should we put anything on the stone. And I said, yeah, we should, we should put something on the stone. And he said, what do you think we should put on the stone? This is the wife of 36 years that had just been snatched away in a bus accident. I said, I think we should put, verse Peter 1, 5, kept by the power of God. In this life and the next. He said, okay. So that's what's there. On the stone. But now notice something. What is, how does this relate to faith? I just want to make sure you you don't water this down. Someone might take this phrase through faith and mean, well, if you keep believing, it keeps you. Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. What would keeping be if my believing depended on me? What would keeping be. There's nothing left to keep. That is the keeping. He's not... Well, watch now. See if you'll keep yourself in the faith. And if you do, then I'll do something else. (laughs) What's left to do? If I can keep myself in the faith, I don't need you to keep me in the faith. So I take this to mean kept by the power of God through faith, meaning that's the way God does it. He keeps me through faith. That is, He sees to it that I get up and believe in the morning. So if you ask me, why, why did you get up a believer in the morning, this morning, and not an unbeliever? My answer is, He kept me. He kept me. He worked in my mind, which is always drifting away, and draws me back. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I am constrained To be, let your goodness like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, O God, and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. I love that song. Just saying, have me, keep me, own me, chain me, seal me, bind me, don't let me go. That's my doctrine of perseverance. It's not automatic, it's not mechanical. It's day by day, moment by moment, working of the sovereign God to get my mind back on track. Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time, now and forevermore. That Benediction, that doxology was elicited out of Jude's heart by the thought that he keeps us from stumbling. Let's keep the promises rolling here. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. Yes, I need that. Can't do it myself. You've got to do it, Lord. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at his coming. Coming of the Lord Jesus. And then this statement. Faithful is he who calls you. He'll do it. see the does this, this this is called to mind Romans 8? Faithful is he who calls you. Those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. Faithful is he who called you. He's going to do it. He doesn't call and throw away. Same thing. First Corinthians 1. Our Lord Jesus Christ will confirm you to the end. Blameless at the day of our Lord Jesus, God is faithful, through whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, and if you were called there, you will be kept there. I love Jeremiah thirty two forty. I will make, this is the new covenant, I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them. I will not turn away from them to do them good. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts so that they will not Turn away from me. That was the text I used to preach the 25th anniversary, the 125th anniversary of our church's life. Back in 96, I believe it was. God promises in the New Covenant, which remember Jesus purchased with his blood, to put the fear of God in our hearts in such a way that we will not turn away from him. So anytime you read the conditionality, if you don't turn away, he will save you. Always think, command what thou wilt and grant what thou commandest. I must not turn away. You won't let me turn away. Yes, there's conditionality in perseverance. If we don't persevere, we will be lost. So our security lies not in removing that threat, but in providing this sovereign work. Philippians 1.6, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ. Hebrews is a troubling book for some, because it has chapter 6 in it, chapter 10 in it, both of which talk about falling away. And whether you take that to mean you could be really born again and then fall away, or it looks like you're born again and then you fall away, will depend on the way you understand the big picture in Hebrews. And this is a key verse for understanding the big picture. So look at this one. Um, that's not the one I was thinking about. I oh, want chapter three, or chapter three. there it is. Um, Hold everything I just said for about four more minutes <laughs> i got to, I got out of order here last one I want to look at here on this point is luke twenty two thirty one I love this this is so so illuminating for the way our lives really work in our sinfulness here's the here's peter he's about to deny the Lord three times and you remember who told him that Peter you will deny me three times. Jesus is saying that. This is a prediction. He knows this is going to happen. It's going to happen. So how does Jesus relate to a man about to sin against him so grievously? In the hour of his greatest need, Peter's bailing on him. I don't know him. I don't know him. That's how Jesus felt as he looked at his rock. Wimping out on him at his hour of greatest need. So here's what, here's what he does to get him ready. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. This is just like Job. Remember? Job goes to God and says, ah, skin for skin, the only reason he worships you is because you make everything go well for him. And God says, okay, we'll see. You can have him, just don't kill him. And he kills his kids. And he gives him boils. And Job says, the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's the way I want to be. That's the way I want Bethlehem to be, no matter what happens to us. Every campus get blown to smithereens by some terrorist bomb. The Lord gave. The Lord has taken away. We worship God. We don't need a building. Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat, Peter. Here's what I think that means. Here's the picture. Sift you like wheat. What's, what's going on there? I think it's Peter. And here's the, here's the sieve. And I guess the way it works with wheat is that you throw wheat and you shake it like this and the, and the wheat falls through and the chaff blows away. So to separate out the, the, the wheat from the chaff. And so the picture is Satan wants to do that to you. So he's going to push you. He's going to push And his aim is that Peter fall through and faith stay up here. That's what it means. I want to destroy your faith, Peter. That's what Satan would like to happen in the denial. So this is Satan's design. is isn't God's design. God has a very different design in this denial. I have prayed for you. This is the intercession of Jesus modeled for us. I have prayed for you that your faith not fail. Now that has to mean utterly. Because his faith did fail. Temporarily. I mean, he was not a rousing believer when he said, I don't know the man. He wasn't full of confidence. He wasn't full of trust. He wasn't banking on the all-sufficiency of God to provide his need in that moment. He was bailing on faith. His faith was temporarily failing. So this prayer is, I prayed that you wouldn't fail utterly. And then he says, not if, but when you have turned, strengthen your brothers. That is such a sovereign word, isn't it? A sovereign word. Satan wants to have you. My father and I are giving him leash, and you're going to make the worst mistake of your life tonight. We're going to let it happen. It's all by design. But, I have interceded with the father concerning Satan's extent of influence, and there's a limit to this, when... You turn. It's going to happen. I'm praying for you. When it happens, now be a rock. Now be a rock. Strengthen your brothers. Because they're going to need you, you failure of a fisherman. I'm making something of you tonight. I'm making of you a broken hearted strengthener of struggle. I'm making it tonight. That's a beautiful picture. Gives you a way to interpret your failures. Some of them anyway. Who has not denied the Lord? By our attitudes or silence or behavior, He won't let you go. Falling away from faith and holiness shows that we never belonged to Christ. So now you ask, some of you asked me last night, are you going to address the person who who looked like they were a Christian for a long time? Maybe they were a pastor, a deacon. And then they're gone. They're living totally like the devil and sold out left their marriage, left the faith, left everything, and they're just totally worldly and unbelieving. What are we to make of that? And here's the way John deals with it. They went out from us, but they were not of us. You can see this is in uh, italics. That's an interpretation. I think it's an accurate one. They were not of us. For if they had been of us, part of the born again called justified they would have remained with us now there's the doctrine of perseverance you just say generally they they remain if they're of us no 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 there's no generally about it if they're of us they remain this is the doctrine of perseverance absolutely sure perseverance but they went out so obviously then it could be shown that they were not of us. So my answer to the question is first, maybe a person is in a season of doubt and struggle and backsliding. I'm not going to jump to the conclusion they were never a Christian. I'm going after them. Going after them for a long time. But if in the end it's over and they're not believing and they perish uh, having decisively renounced the Lord, there's no reason to believe they were ever saved. That's what I think that verse says. Now here's the here's the verse that four or five minutes ago I jumped the gun on. Hebrews is a, a difficult book in chapter six and chapter ten because it describes people who seem to have experienced so much of God, tasted the powers of the age to come, some measure enlightened, and then they Scorn the Lord and forsake the faith. And those who believe you can lose your salvation would go to chapter 6 or chapter 10 and argue, well, there it is, proof that these people were saved. Now, I don't think they were, but do I have textual basis in Hebrews for saying that? And this would be one of them. Encourage one another day after day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin... So there's the way we should live, vigilance and helping each other. I like to say that eternal security is a community project. You see that here? Encourage one another as long as it is still called today, so that none of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And here he gives the reason. For we have and there's there's the tense that makes all the difference. We have become partakers of Christ. That means we're in Christ and born again and sharing in his righteousness. We have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast. The beginning of our assurance firm to the end notice it does not say we will become partakers of Christ if we hold fast to our confession it says we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast our confession which means Perseverance or holding fast is proof and evidence that you had already become a partaker of Christ. Perseverance doesn't make you a partaker of Christ. It demonstrates that you are a partaker of Christ. Therefore, I don't think chapter 6 or chapter 10 contradicts this paradigm. If we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm to the end we have become partakers of christ so being a partaker of christ secures our perseverance finally last last section therefore let us be earnest to make our calling and election sure, second Peter 110 I mean I 've prayed with, with a good number of folks to receive Jesus in my office or in various places over the years. How do you talk to them when they've just crossed the line? they just believed how do you what do you say? Why, you give him a big hug. Welcome to the family. This is thrilling. I'm so glad you're a believer. We're brothers. Now, then you talk like this. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you'll never stumble. Be all the more diligent to confirm or to make certain His calling and choosing you. You say, now, God has met you here and He has drawn you to Himself. Let the next days be a confirmation of that. Confirmation of that. if he says, how do I know I'm real? How do I know this has really happened? I said, you'll see. It will be confirmed to you. Give yourself to the word. Give yourself to prayer. Fight sin. Be in a fellowship with other people. Use the means of grace. And in all these, God will confirm that you're his now. Confirm language is very good to use. Not automatic language, like, you can do anything you want now. Because <laughs> you just prayed to receive Jesus. It doesn't matter. You'll go to heaven. You don't use that kind of language. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life. So how should you think? Having just spent now 45 minutes on perseverance, how should you think? And the answer is, lay hold on it. Lay hold on it. Reminds me of, I don't think I have all the texts but reminds me of uh, Philippians 3.12 not that I have already obtained or am already perfect but I press on to make it my own because he has made me his own there's the way we think and the way we feel about it. We get up in the morning and we push into our devotions and we push into the fight against sin not with some kind of insecurity like oh maybe maybe today he'll save me if I do this but rather because he's so massively, mightily, securely saved me already. He has taken hold of me and I will lay hold on eternal life. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Fight the good fight. Last text on this issue, then we'll take a break. So then, my beloved. Just as you have always obeyed, not as my presence only, but, but more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I'll have more to say about that in the last session when we talk about the emotional effects of believing these doctrines. But don't let this fear and trembling signify a kind of wimpy uncertainty about your future. Rather, hear this. You work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who is at work in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. Yeah, you've got to will it. And you've got to work it. But when all is said and done, you say, By the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me was not in vain, but I worked harder than any of them. Nevertheless, it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. First Corinthians 15, 10. Let's pray. Father... Thank you for your persevering, keeping, preserving grace in our lives. And that it was secured for us by the blood of Jesus so that we can say, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not most certainly provide everything we need to persevere?